to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here's your host, David Shong. What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats, powered by American Marine, with Reliant Lithium Batteries, providing the juice. I am David Shong, and with me is Danny Blanford. Danny, were you able to do any fishing this past weekend at all? I did. I got to sneak out. Uh, me and the missus went down to Kentucky and uh, fished out of state for a moment. We've got a tournament coming up this weekend, so we went down and did a little looking around. So okay. got out and uh, no big fish stories to tell you though. <laughs> so there's that. Well, well I guess I know we like they always, they always say big's relative, but you know I, I don't know if, if if when you say big fish, you're talking two pounds, three pounds, or something bigger for this particular uh, body water. But yeah, no, it's got good ones in it. I actually went down there thinking I would put some fish on my fishing chaos strike king Mach five tournament <laughs> board, and. Uh, <laughs> I never, I never caught one that was, you know, that thing's being led by over a hundred inches. So I need 20 inches. Okay. And I never caught a fish over about 16 and a half. Uh, we caught a ton of fish. We probably caught 50 or more, but uh, okay. 16 inches was a, was the best one of the day. And there was a ton of stuff in that 12 to 14 inch range, you know, and okay. that's, that's not going to do any good in the Mach five. So I just threw them back and kept looking. <laughs> yeah. Same thing here. Like this past weekend, I, like it was the Wisconsin opener. So I got out just for a few hours and nothing yet i didn't catch nothing either i think my biggest one only went about 17 so I was like not bad but i, I i've been kind of slacking on i I'll, I'll make it a point after we get done recording to download the app so that i can i can get myself up and going so let's <laughs> see if yeah, I can catch i'm gonna have to do way, so. i'm gonna have to put some stuff in there just to make sure that i i've got something to keep you honest right <laughs> if i keep throwing back 16 inches and not measuring them you're gonna beat me with 12 inches and then no, you know, all i've got that. all i've got fish stories so i don't want to do that <laughs> well speaking of at least someone who caught him big is uh we've got joining us this week is uh and fresh off a nice week of fishing uh because uh was the was it the Bassmaster northern opens winner on bugs island and he also did a wire to wire as well as powell kemp congratulations paul and welcome to the show thanks guys glad y'all have me on uh been a crazy few days <laughs> yeah it sounds like it seems like uh uh, you got the golden touch. We're going to dive into that in a bit here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, looking at some of the, uh, doing some research uh, on on you for this particular podcast, uh, it looks like it's been a few years since you fished an open or the FOW tour. So uh, my first question to you is, what was your motivating factor that led you to sign up for this particular event? Well, just a, a chance to fish on what I would consider one of my home lakes and uh, you know, a shot at, at the big show is always a, a dream of everybody's. Mm -hmm. So what was your experience on Bugs Island? Since you mentioned it being your one of your home lakes, but I think just looking at least your bio, it's, it seems it's still a good couple hours away. But uh, what was your experience on Bugs Island prior to this event? Do you fish it quite often? Yes, sir. I probably fish, uh, probably fish eight or ten team tournaments up there. Uh, every year for the last 20 years. Um, definitely, I got bit, plenty of days on it, that's for sure. So, during that, I guess looking at your, was it your, um, 
looking at the, was it the bass side? I know it's been like, I think a few years, about six, seven years since you fished anything on their side. I think the last one, the last event there was a open back in 2015. And then it looks like even on the FOW side uh, or the major league fishing side, the last event they got you registered there for was a Northern Toyota's event on in 2021. So what were you, what have you been up to the last few years, I guess, fishing wise? Well, fishing wise, I've, uh, you know, I kind of just dropped back and went back to the grassroots tournaments and the okay. team tournaments in our area, the bigger tournaments. Uh, life's just kind of kept things. Uh, priorities were on other things for the last few years. That's awesome, pal. On, I was going to, I think David was probably thinking the same thing. So with this open, uh, is this you shifting your focus? Things are in a, you're in a different spot, so the opens are a big part of it, or was it just that opportunity to have a crack at the classic? It was the opportunity of the crack at the classic. You know, I, I don't know. I've got a little girl that's twelve and a, another one that's uh, nine, so they they kind of take up uh, a lot of of my time. I still fish a lot, as my wife would say. I still fish too much, but. Um, <laughs> No, they're 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 kind of my priority. They've gotten into doing lamb shows. They for the 4-H, and uh, they're big time into that. And um, you know, just dealing with business stuff and uh, working. Uh, hmm. And just I, you know, I'm not sure I, I can say that the Lord will, and I'm 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 gonna fish the classic. So after that, I can't really say where we'll go from there. Hey, that's a blessing in itself right there. I noticed in, in my research, you know, faith and family are a big part of your life. So I commend you for that. Obviously, you've got to make room for a couple more open stops this year, right? How are you feeling about what's left on your schedule? Well, you know, I, I've, I've been wanting to go back to Thousand Islands. Uh, Champlain's probably one of the most, my favorite lakes on the whole, um, in the country. But uh, Thousand Islands, I've been to four or five times. I haven't been there since they were catching 22 to 25 pounds of smallies, so I'm kind of chomping at the bit to get back up there. Um, one of the guys that works with me in, in my hunting business, which is my, my primary business, he's going up. He signed up as a co-hanger. He's going to go up, and we're just going to go up there and, and catch some fish and, and uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy the time. Not really any pressure because uh, there's not a whole lot more that, in what I'm in what I'm doing with the, the one division, there's not a whole lot more that can that can be accomplished. So we're just going to go have a good time and try to enjoy the moment and and uh, you know just enjoy life and what God's made for us. That's awesome. Well, obviously the monkey's off your back now. You've already you've already taken down the big gorilla, so that's great. And speaking of David, I know you're you're our play by play, and I know you did some research on the tournament. I want to get into that part because there's a few nuggets in there that caught my attention for sure. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, I guess we, just looking at practice, you know, because it seems like just looking at the results, you yeah, things dialed out at least based on the weights that you brought in each day. But um, how did practice play out for you? Well, uh, so I practiced Friday, Saturday. Uh, the lake was probably 301.20 to 301.40, um, which is it's not low for bugs, but it's uh, kind of an in-between level. It's not really in the bushes. It's in the bushes on the upper end of the lake, uh, which I kind of committed that I was not going to fish on the upper end of the lake, even though that's where 
I really thought it would get one with that water level. And uh, I guess Saturday night, the lake started rising. Sunday, I actually went and fished a uh, team tournament on Gaston, which is the lake below car, because I had to do it to qualify for the cat championship that's coming up on car in two weeks. And I was going to get off the boat at 9 o'clock and, and head back to practice. And uh, Michael, my team partner, and I got to talking about it. I said, you know what? It's cloudy. It's rainy. The water's rising like crazy. They're going to bite today. I don't really want to go up there and, and get preconceived notions on the lake that's going to change 150% before we start the tournament. So mm-hmm. I fished that tournament out with him. Um you know, we finished the day out, and I. It was pouring rain. It was, but we had a good, good day, fun day. Uh, and then Monday, I went out and you know had a fourteen-hour day, where I practiced from legal time to legal time. I think mm-hmm. it's thirty minutes before, thirty minutes after. You got to be off. Put in a hard day. Had an okay practice. Uh, found a couple of stretches that had some pretty good bites on. Uh, spinnerbait and had a couple of stretches. I had a lot of bites on flipping. So I was kind of a little bit looking forward to that, but more it was giving me what they were doing uh, now that the water was changing, what I needed to be looking for, um, where I needed to be. It, it pushed the lake up towards that level where the lower end really plays in the winning tournaments. Typically it gets a little harder on the upper end as the water comes up because the water goes farther back in the swamps. Um, so, you know, there's magic water levels up there of where, which part of the lake is going to be the deal. Um, but, you know, when the, once the tournament started, it was, it was a completely, besides one spinnerbait stretch that I had found in practice, it was pretty much just fly by the, the seat of my pants and, and uh, where the man upstairs told me to go and where the wind was blowing. Were you looking for pre-spawners or spawners? I, I'm trying to get a rough idea of what the, based on what you're saying there, uh, what the bite would have been like for you since you're talking about flooded, finding them in the bushes with spinner baits and stuff like that. Well, I went out looking for the shad spawn deal, uh, okay. which is typically the, the number one bite the first part of May. I knew the last spawners would be coming up, um, but I felt like the uh, most of the fish on bugs probably went the last time the water come up came up a few weeks ago it came up a foot or two and uh, i felt like most of them had gone then but i did feel like there was gonna be another batch coming so i started out looking the shad spawn um but the 37 degree nights and the cold nights i think it just stopped the shad from coming up they started to every day got a little bit better with the with the shad but um so i started on shad spawn stuff uh Places that I, you know, one, I stopped on one place. Normally, we'd get two or three fish with the wind blowing on it like it was. Didn't get a bite. Just kept the troll motor down. And then I caught, I missed a small male off of a bush. And I threw it to the other side of the bush. And I caught the 513, which was the big fish of the tournament, was my first fish in the first 20 minutes that morning. Um, so, it kind of. Gave me some medicine, as one of my buddies would say. It was PK medicine. Uh, calmed me down. Knew I was doing what what I needed to do to win uh, or try to win. And so I stayed out there hoping just for two bites in three or four hours. And um, the wind was blowing 30-plus. Pretty rough, pretty hard to run around. 
So I kind of just picked some places, kept the trolling motor down, and would fish a mile and get two bites. But it, it really, I think, I would say that 80% of the fish I caught on the lower end, for sure, I would say, are uh, were spawning fish. That's what I believe they were, because of where they were sitting, what they were doing. Yeah, so I, I believe they were, the way we were, I was catching them, you know, a male and a female, I, I believe that the females had just laid out. Um, and I was catching those females that were sitting around garden, you know, getting ready to leave the bed. But you know how they do it. For a few days after the they lay, they stay there to help guard the bed. So day one, you mentioned you caught that nice one, but, and then in the end, you end up catching 19.8. Did that day one go as expected for you? Or did, like, you, I know you mentioned trying to fish by the seat of your pants, but was that, did that 19.8 kind of go as expected or was it way better than what you were anticipating? Oh, uh, it was, it was way better than what I was anticipating. I was hoping that, uh, I really felt like, you know, 15, 16 would put you in really good shape and the lady. 19 and a half uh, or uh, down on the scales it really gave a big buffer from what I expected to be up at the top. Alan, we talked to guys a lot about bed fishing and we've been talking a lot about spawning. I've uh, been talking a lot about spawning on the past podcast obviously, but we hear a lot about pitching, flipping, and wacky rigs and whenever I read through some of your stuff it sounded like the spinnerbait was a big player for you. And I asked David prior to the podcast, I said, when's the last time we talked to somebody where a spinnerbait, you know, was one of the things they leaned on so heavily and he didn't have a good answer for me. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? I mean, spinnerbait, is that just a staple in your arsenal? Was it something about the particular conditions in that wind or, or what was the deal you think? Well, I definitely, I mean, spinnerbait's definitely one of my favorite baits to fish with. Uh, it's a very, Top water spinner baits and flipping on bugs is, is you know, very uh, top notch techniques. It's probably one of the best spinner bait lakes in the country, in my opinion. Um, is like that the cover, just, or why do you say that? I don't really know. They just they like it. <laughs> That's, all, <laughs> That's all I can really say why they do. Because I mean, I've been to lakes with with more shad and or as many shad and. Um, you know, it's besides in the fall, you know, they'll get on it hard in the fall, but they just, they love it. Um, it's always been a staple up there, but I definitely believe that this, that gave me, you know, I had, uh, I was talking to some guys uh, about it and they're like, well, we've never heard anybody catching them on a spinnerbait off the bed. Well, I don't really think that I was specifically targeting it. I just think that that's what those fish were. And it's no different than, the top guys throwing a swim bait to try to catch the female that's with the male. Mm -hmm. You throw one, two footers on it and they'll eat the spinner bait just as, you know, they'll eat it good when there's plenty of ripple. But in the same sense, I caught some fish off bushes that was almost dead slick water. I just think they were reacting to it. Just when it would come by their bed, they were tired of seeing, uh, flipping baits and, mm -hmm. and but the main advantage it gave me over a guy that was trying to flip for him was I was getting so few bites on such long stretches that you could never have flipped a mile long stretch and covered the amount of water I did to get the bites I got. So, I mean, if you look at the weight, you know, I had all, 
bunch of guys up there. They were they were giving me a hard time saying I was sandbagging, but I, I really wasn't. It was just a eight to ten bite a day deal, and I, I was not jamming them as the weights said said that I was. I was. It wasn't like that. And I mean, I fished different water every single day. Every fish I weighed in was weighed in at least on a different spot than where I weighed them in the, the other days. So it was definitely a technique thing and uh, a reaction bite then for sure. That's, that's a, that's a strong statement. I know technique got, pattern and, and just keeping the troll motor down and fishing. Right. So you knew what, what you were looking for. You just didn't know where you was going to find it next. A hundred percent. And that, you know, that's something that comes up a lot when we talk to guys, it's not necessarily, it's when they figure out what they're looking for. And, and I think that's the most, yeah, that's an interesting thing when you think about it. I don't. I know what I'm looking for. I don't know when I'm going to find it again, but I'm going to stay on high until I do, and then I'll catch one. And that that's a mindset thing. So uh, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And I guess the spinnerbait would be about one of the most logical things to do that with now that you put it to us like that. Yes, sir. When you flip, go ahead, David. I'll say, well, sting, uh, sting with the spinnerbait thing. Anything special with the spinnerbait? Can you give us some details on that? Well, I, I had five different spinner baits on the deck. Uh, you know, I was, I had, and I ended up catching um, probably, well, ended up total, I ended up catching more fish on the upper end of the lake with a, a bigger bladed chartreuse spinner bait because it was really dirty up there where we had had a bunch of rain. That's why the lake was rising. The first day of the tournament was like red mud rolling down the lake. I mean, zero visibility logs everywhere we had to be careful when we were launching because we were launching on the upper end um but the second day um i had a pretty good bag i left out of the lower end up bush area and i ran back up the lake and and stopped on a couple places and got fortunate and caught a four and a half pounder on the way back and i actually put my rods below deck and went to check in and, and got the check in and I had 40 minutes to go. So I was like, I better go fishing or all my friends are going to tell me you, I, you cannot give up that kind of time in a tournament like this. So I kind of nonchalantly pulled over and just started fishing and crazy enough. I caught three little ones, had another big one to eat my spinnerbait that just didn't get it. And, uh, ended up catching a 280 to call out a 230 to, to give me another half a pound. And, uh, I believe I was, 15 12 the second day or right at 16 somewhere and uh it actually turned into being probably what sealed the deal for me because the next morning on the final morning of the tournament i said well i hadn't exactly been jamming them down the lake what's 15 minutes going to cost me i'm already launching earlier than i have been all week because it was only 10 of us and i pulled over there boat number one um probably almost caused a wreck because i everybody was trying to get out of there and there was boats falling and camera boats and all that stuff and uh pulled over fished through the little area where i had those bites and i was like no bites i said well no big deal so i got ready to pull the troll motor up and i made the last cast across the bush that was on the point and i caught a two and a half pounder and put her in the boat and in the next like 10 minutes, I caught three more going down that bank and then probably went about 30 minutes and caught number five and really calmed me down. Cause I kind of knew with just five of any size, somebody was going to have to jam them, um, to, to beat me. 
because I had seven and a half pound lead. I just didn't want to be the guy that blew the seven and a half pound lead on the final day by not catching a bass, which 100% in this business and this, uh, what we do, you can do that in a heartbeat fishing. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it worked out and then I fished about another 40 minutes up there and I caught a three sixty-five and caught out one little squeaker I had and, those ended up being the five at the end of the day that went to the scales and, and sealed the deal for me. Um, you know, and I, I fished up there a couple hours, should have never left, but I had two flipping stretches down in Nutbush that I had not fished in any in the tournament. And I had like 22 bites on between the two stretches on, uh, Monday in practice. So I just said, I cannot not try and end up losing this thing by somebody catching a giant bag. But so I ran down there, did that stuff, caught some fish, but nothing ended up helping me out and came back up the lake and never caught anything else that would help me. Uh, and I waited in those, it was basically over at, at eight o'clock that morning. For the whole day, were you thinking you needed a big one to seal the deal or did you feel pretty good? Honestly, when I caught the three and a half and called out the one squeaker that I had, um, mm-hmm. I pretty much felt like it was over. And the way I'd been blessed all week, I kind of felt like it was it was my turn. I mean, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I just I just had everything just kept going. You can't explain what was going on. Uh, I truly believe it was the man upstairs had decided that it was my turn and. Because things that went down, if I told you everything that went down on the whole tournament, it just, it was just like, you can't even script it that way. And it wasn't like I went out and caught 40 or 50 fish, which is, if I ever dreamed of winning one on that lake, it would be catching 40 a day and culling through the fish until I, you know, just beat, won the tournament. But it was, it was not like that. And I mean, um, you know, David Williams, he had a heck of a tournament, ended up second to me, but he faltered on the first day and that's really what didn't bring it down to, uh, you know, or really down to the ounces cause he had a, you know, really tough first day and then jammed them the second and third day to, to, to come back and, and give, give me a run for the, the money. Now you turned around and went, did you go, was it back out on bugs or did you go somewhere else after that event? Well, <laughs> so, Funny story was that uh, one of my fishing buddies that known for a long time, he packed his uh, wife and and son up, and they left their house at 4.30 Friday morning to be at weigh-in and kind of surprised me. I couldn't believe he was there. And and anyway, it, my team partner, Michael Kamutis, he called me up, and he's like, look, man, he said, I, did, I couldn't tell you that Dave was coming. I said, if you don't want to fish tomorrow, don't worry about it. I understand. Enjoy what's going on. You did great. And I kind of almost was like, I, I might need a break just to go out there and, and talk junk to each other on the next day. And, um, it's one of four big tournaments that we fish a year, you know, for, for big prizes and everything just kept right on going. And then we went out and caught, uh, I believe the biggest bag I ever weighed in on that following day and won that won the top gun Collins top gun out of uh Pembroke on the Albemarle Sound. Wow. Something to be said for momentum. <laughs> it, 
it it was pretty crazy. I, you know, it's uh, just things they just happen. And when you go out there and there's obviously there was no pressure on Saturday. It was just us going to have fun and go fishing and it just, it just went right. So, uh, I guess I could be okay with that, that, uh, the, the luck checking up or the <laughs> blessings checking up until March and then maybe something amazing happened in Mars. That would be amazing, but I'm not greedy at all. I'm just unbelievably blessed to, to be able to go fish the dream that every tournament fisherman on earth wants to do. And very few of us, We'll get to do it, and and I feel very fortunate that I'm one of those guys, and and hope to do it for all the all us little guys out there that that you know we're not the, we're not the pros, we're not the the top guys known about, and and uh, just to be able to be there, I'm just going to try to enjoy it and and live the moment because what, and I want to catch one bass. That's really my only goal: <laughs> catch one bass so I can walk across the stage. <laughs> I'm thinking you're going to catch more than one. Have you ever been out to Grand? Yeah. No, I've never been to Grand. So I hear they um, eat a spinnerbait out there. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've I've read a little bit about it and watched some videos, and it kind of looks like it might set up a little bit like bugs. I guess if I could choose, I'd say let's have a warming trend in the spring and let the water <laughs> come up and put it in bushes, and we'll see what happens. But you know. We don't get to pick. I mean, I can go out there and jerk bait and crank, but it's not my top strength. I mean, I can probably go out there and try to survive to catch my one on a jerk bait, but uh, I would much rather it be a warming trend and the water come up and we end up with the, the, the classic in the bushes and then we might, you know, we might roll out and make something happen. Well, pal, as a Midwestern river guy, I am absolutely hoping for high muddy water in the bushes. But you will be you will definitely be playing with a different caliber of players because I think there's a bunch of guys that like high water you know high water and muddy bush fishing uh, out in Oklahoma that time of year. So I wish you the best of luck and congratulations on your success there, man. That's a great story and and uh, being focused on the family and the faith is uh, you know that's a breath of fresh air too. So I commend you for that. Well, I surely couldn't have done it without his guidance and help. That's for sure. Any, anything else that's on the schedule, like uh, for the rest of this year besides the two opens events? I know that you mentioned team stuff. Anything else that's on your like, uh, on your agenda this year? Yeah, I've got uh, we've got a cat championship in um, two weeks on bugs. I've got two or three English Choice events uh, on bugs. I've got Collins uh, team trail. We've got I think two more tournaments in that and. We're actually, I think, fourth in the points and hoping to make the Bassmaster Team Championship. And, okay. you know, if we could manage to get a trip out there, then maybe the sky's the limit and we go out there and, and make top three teams there. And my partner could win that and we both end up <laughs> in the Classic. I would have to defer to David on that, but if we ever had a double qualifying amateur angler in the classic, I would vote no without doing a lot of research. I don't think so. Not, not at the teams or even, yeah, like nothing that I can think of. 
Yeah, and that, that was not throwing any shade at the Opens qualification, but if you've got an Opens qualification and then a Bass Nation teams thing, you're you're technically a double qualifier. And the only time I've heard double qualifying is Opens and Elites. So um, I think I'm going to root for that, pal. Why don't you do that? And that'll give us something to talk about. Well, that would be good because, you know, in, in the dream world, we say, well, if we could actually do it, in the, you know, the top six fish on the second on the final day for the shot at the Classic, well, I don't need to go fishing. He can have everything we found and maybe make something happen. He doesn't have a split with his team partner, so we can maybe make something happen. That would be a that'd be a pretty crazy deal. But you know, dreams are made of of less. That's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And like I said earlier, there's something to be said for momentum. Yes, sir. I, it it definitely this sport is a up and down sport and. When you when you get going good, you better enjoy it and you better roll with it because it's going to come crashing down. I promise you, it will stop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, David. We got one of our more honest anglers we've had in a while, so that's great. <laughs> oh, you know what, what? Fishermen are never. We we like to stretch the truth. It doesn't mean we're we're being false anyway. We just you know like to stretch the truth out a bit there. But <laughs> everybody loves a good storyteller. <laughs> Exactly. Well, the one tells you that he's so good that he's going to catch him for the rest of his life and every year. I can tell you what I I will I will bet everything I have that it will not continue forever. So absolutely, uh, absolutely. I guess the first one I've ever seen that's going to that's coming close to it right now is Wheeler. We're going to find out when he comes off, uh, comes crashing down, or when it stops. I mean, Van Dam went on a roll for a long time, but. Even his even his time stopped, and he's the greatest in the world. So, I mean, what can you say? Yeah, yeah. I got a funny story about that. I'll, I'll share at some point, but I will tell you, pal, to that note. Uh, somewhere in a box, I have a photo and a handwritten note from Jacob Wheeler. I'm thinking somewhere at the age of 13 or 14, with uh, holding up pictures of fish. I had a tackle company. He was looking for sponsorship. And in that letter, he told us he was going to be one of the best ones ever. And uh, internally, we looked at it and we said, the kid's 13 or 14 years old. Life's going to happen and we'll probably never hear from him again. And uh, that was, I guess, 25 years ago when Jacob Wheeler was right and I was wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> that one letter you should have opened, that one you should have changed your mind tune on that one. <laughs> oh man, amen to that. If only I'd have known what I know now, right? But you just right. you could have you could have really made the made it work for you good on that side. But uh, what, know, what actually, yeah, that's an awesome angler and an awesome example. And that he's the only one to your point. Uh he's the only one that's ever told me they were going to be great and they ended up being greater than even they expected probably. So <laughs> well you know I, I hear stories from uh Randy Howell was uh lived around here on Lake Gaston yep. and actually married uh his wife is from like five minutes from my house but uh and we live out in the country we don't live on any um we live five minutes from the river but the real true river but anyway the story was is I, I heard many a story of him walking around from tackle shop to tackle shop at Lake Gaston with his vest on and his embroidered patches <laughs> and he was telling everybody then he was gonna be the uh, you know, it was going to be one of the greatest that ever lived. So, you know, he, he definitely got a, a little, a little bit of some of that. So I mm -hmm. guess there's, there's a few out there and I think most of us, honestly, you know, we dream of being, uh, 
the greatest. But the reality for most of us is we, we, we will never be the Van Dam or the Jacob Wheeler. Um, and, you know, the first real big tournament I ever fished was the Bass Fest out of uh, on Chickamauga and never even had heard of Jacob Wheeler. And he went out and won that tournament. You know, that was really what started his whole career. Because um, I believe he was there as a Bass Fest guy, which is Bass took the top 10 anglers from the Opens in each division and brought them out to fish against the elites in that tournament. Mm-hmm. And I believe if I'm correct, he made it the same way I did through uh, the Opens. I might be wrong on that. But I know that that was the first time I'd ever heard of Jacob Wheeler. And, and since that day, which was 10 or 12 years ago, his career went. And that was right after... When I got home, I told my wife, I said, I think I'm done tournament fishing. I, I got my teeth kicked enough on uh, after that bass fest. I did it, you know, fished against the world's greatest and don't know anything about ledge fishing. So you know how that worked out for me on Chickamauga. So uh, I came home, said I was quitting, and uh, she told me to get out of the house and go to the Potomac and fish the, uh, the Rayovac and – Daggone if I didn't go out and win that Rayovac. So it, it put it put the put the the taste back in my mouth. Suddenly I think, well, maybe I can catch them again, you know. But I was <laughs> at the point where I was ready to put the towel in. So and that's how fishing has been in my life, and I'm sure a lot of people's life. I mean, you you get to the point where you're ready to throw the towel in, and either something happens or you throw the towel in. I mean, those are those are the options. I always tell guys. You know, I've got some other buddies of mine that call me and they're like, man, I'm really struggling. I don't know what to do. I said, well, you got two options. You fish through it or you quit. I mean, those are your two options. Or you go back to doing, you know, small tournaments and enjoying uh, life and just fishing in general. What you what we what we all enjoy about fishing is the competition is definitely what drives me. But um, I kind of put aside the dreams of being a professional bass fisherman to be honest with you you know that is a hard hard way to make a living and i don't care what anybody else says that's a hard way to go i can tell you that yeah we talk about that here a lot everybody says i want to do that and whenever you get down to the nuts and bolts of it say man that that kind of stinks that's hard (laughs) yeah the 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 16 hour drives the 15 hour practice days every day sun up to sundown by yourself now away from your family, living check the check if you're lucky or mm-hmm. or or maxing out every credit card you got. I mean, that's that's what most of it takes to to make it to make it happen. So any desires of maybe one day reliving or trying to rekindle that 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 dream, or is that kind of are you kind of just settled on just uh, on enjoying fishing and doing it at the local, more regional team level? You know, I enjoy I enjoy the parts I'm doing of it. I mean, there's still that part of me that that wants to go. You know, there's always going to be that dream there. Will it ever come to fruition? I have no idea. Um, I'm not really. I'm past the point of willing to gamble everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, when I fished the tour for a few years, I didn't really. It didn't matter what it cost or what it was. I was going to try it, and uh, you know, I'm kind of past that point. It would have to be the right the right situation and the right um everything would have to happen just right i'm not willing to to risk my little girl's future financially mm-hmm. and, and schooling and all that to go chase a dream now that 
and, and not to take this the wrong way to anybody, but as I'm, I'm coming out of my prime, I, I truly believe a fisherman's prime is between uh, 35 and 45. That's just what I think. Uh, I think physically you're at, you're you're coming towards the end of being able to do those 16 hour days and we get Mm -hmm. aches and cramps and but mentally at you know at that 35 age for most people that's when you start to mentally get the game together and get your brain right and we all know brain in fishing is is everything you know it's getting the mental game right and i I feel like the 20 year olds i think they have a hard time because they've still got that that over the the high confidence that I'm the man, I can get it done. And, um, they hadn't quite figured out the mental part of, of this game. And it is a lot of mental into in it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would second that for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Paul, for joining us. I know that, uh, you've been, uh, you know, just on this massive win streak. So congratulations on the two good wins last week and uh, good luck. Good luck with the rest of the Northern Opens and the remainder of the year for you. Well, we'll, we'll do all we can. I appreciate you guys talking to me, and uh, we'll see how things go. Hope to talk to you again, pal. Thanks for your time, bud. We appreciate it. All right, gentlemen. All right, there you guys have it. The latest Bassmaster Opens winner from the Bugs Island event, Paul Kemp. Danny, I know you were a bit more awestruck by it, but a spinnerbait takes the win, kind of old school. Uh, surprised by that, really? <clears throat> uh, just a little bit. I mean, I, it's the normal around me, right? Mm-hmm. Because I fish regional events. I fish local stuff. I fish with hammers probably like Kemp is in his area, right? And there yeah. are some of them that can do that with a spinnerbait. Um and so I guess I'm not shocked. I just I was surprised to hear it at the national level. We haven't seen one for a while. I've watched I don't know how many hours of Bass Live and stuff, uh, MLF Live, Bass Live, all of it, and I'm just not seeing the spinnerbait. So to to hear somebody go out and do that, I think that's cool. And um, you know, I'm a fan of Powell. But I think he speaks to what I consider to be a lot of our audience. You yeah. know, the the guys that. You know, you and I get down here and we talk fishing about our tournaments like they matter, but they're not. I mean, in the scheme of <laughs> in the scheme of what the pros do, they they don't matter. But to us, they matter because it's our competition. Right. And yeah. and and you heard that in Powell that he just loves to fish. He loves to compete. He loves his region. And um, I think it's a great story. I, I think he hit on the fact that he feels like he's living a, a whole bunch of people's dream. And yeah. and I would agree. I would agree with that as as a bass junkie. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to be thinking about going to Tulsa and fishing bushes in the spring <laughs> without a doubt. I don't think I'd be throwing a spinnerbait, but I'm biased on that. <laughs> well, even, uh, you know, like uh, talking about spinnerbait there too, like, what is it? Like, I know I've heard, I, I never thrown one, but even hearing like, I, I consider it kind of old school in a, in a way, but like the Carolina rig, mm-hmm. you know, you're starting to hear some of some guys. I, I'm, I don't. I don't recall it necessarily being more experienced anglers throwing. I, I could have sworn it was some younger guys throwing that around as well too. So uh, it's not that they disappeared, but it's not something that you've heard be part of a person's arsenal on the national level. At least play a significant part, at least you know. So right. Um, I wonder how much of that too has to do with at the national level. You know, if I if I put on my brand hat. You've always got to be coming out with something new. 
Sure. Right. I mean, you, everybody, you know, when, when we get calls on tackle stuff, it's like, well, what do you got coming out next year? It's like, well, dude, it's the second month and of this year. And I'm not thinking about, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I think the industry in order to keep hanging pegs, you know, filling pegs and providing skews and stuff, we're always looking for the next great thing. Mm-hmm. And whether it be a spinner bait or I don't think he hit on it in this, but he was throwing the brush hog, right? That yeah. bait has been around for 20 years. And yeah. when it first came out, it was the hottest thing there was. And whether it be to your point, Carolina rigging a, a brush hog or a baby brush hog, that's a thing. It still happens. Yep. Uh, the spinnerbait's still a thing. In my world, where there was a great article the other day talking about the tube being underrated. When mm-hmm. the tube came out, it revolutionized everything, right? The gets it and all that stuff. But yep. as fishermen, we get attracted to the next shiny thing. And it's not necessarily that the old shiny thing quit working. It's just that there's a new shiny thing. Yep. And and I think that's probably more so the interesting element to the spinnerbait and stuff is it it kind of brings back something I've been thinking about lately. And it's like all that old stuff is still just as productive. Yeah. You know, and, and when you think a bass's life cycle in a tournament setting, maybe three to five years, you know, it's conceivable that there's bass out there that have grown up and not seen a brush hog in a while. Right. I mean, yep. whereas if you had a flashback to their you know, mid 90s, late 90s, uh, there wasn't a three year old bass that probably hadn't been caught on a brush hog. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I don't know where all that lies. I'd love a scientist smarter than me to dig into some of that. Um, <laughs> but old is new again. And, and when you're dealing with a, a fish with a short lifespan, they don't they don't remember things the way you or I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of baits, it's time for a quick retie and a word from our sponsors. So hang in there and we and Danny will be right back. Sportsman's Warehouse is your one-stop, convenient place to shop. Whether you're into camping, hunting, or fishing, our expert associates can help you find the gear you need. We carry a huge assortment of quality equipment from the best manufacturers in the country and around the world. We have guns, ammo, rods, and lures, not to mention every kind of outdoor clothing for the whole family. You can shop in one of our fully stocked stores or visit us online at sportsmanswarehouse.com. Visit Sportsman's Warehouse. Shop one of over 60 locations. Whether day or night, I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man. Join the Stray King team. All you got to do, tie one on. (laughs) I think I always tie one on. From dawn to midday to dusk, the sun's rays dance across the water and the sparkling light beckons. The abundant shorelines invite you to play or sail or simply behold. This is where champions fish and families gather to unwind. It's Lake Hartwell and Anderson is the gateway to its wonders. Walk on a pier, float all day, and restore your soul in this beautiful oasis. Visit Anderson, South Carolina's bright spot. Discover more at visitanderson.com and visitlakehartwell.com. Welcome back. This segment is brought to you by Ranger Boats. If you've been on the fence on getting the Ranger boat of your dreams, now's the time to take advantage of new inflation buster pricing. Save up to $5,000 on select fiberglass and aluminum boats. Whether it's an RT-188 or Z-521R 55th anniversary, get to your favorite Ranger dealer now before it's too late. See why we love our Ranger and how legends are still being built one at a time. All right. So just a few uh, results from this past weekend, like always here 
First one on the docket is the MLF BFL Choo Choo Division event on Pickwick. That event uh, was won by Trent Surratt with 23 pounds and 8 ounces. We go down to Florida for the Extreme Bass Series on the North River. And winning that with 20.90 was a team of Jason Burgess and Michael Angelovich. Moving down to Texas, we go to the Bass Champs East event on Toledo Bend. And catching 24-26 was a team of Martin Elshout and Mark Price. Uh, going up north to Champlain, uh, we've got the Cash and Rods Tour event. And winning that with 21-32 was, just, uh, was John Fitzgerald and Chris Groman. And then the last event I've got up here was the... Roland Martin Center Series event on Okeechobee. And on that particular event, the top 20 teams caught 30 pounds. So it took at least 30 pounds to hopefully get a check. I don't know how, how far down they paid to. But winning that was a team of Preston and Tavin Heiser, catching 36.82 pounds to win there. And uh, since it's a Roland Martin's uh, Center Series event, uh, uh, Roland's son, Scott Martin, and his granddaughter Hillary, so Scott's daughter Hillary, they, I think, finished 21st or 22nd with 29.58, so they missed out on that 30-pound mark. So, but yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. I've seen some of the media on it. I guess it's a new record, but I couldn't imagine having five fish over six pounds and coming in and being like, dude, you're not even on the first page of the results. (laughs) I I don't don't even know, like, I'm assuming it's got to be a spawn, but I could be completely, I don't have any experience really on Florida, so I don't know. It was top water. Okay. That the the bulk of the field was catching giant post-spawn fish on top water. (laughs) And it must have been, I mean, just everything lined up to where, you know, they were just, they were freaking eating and they were, you know, they were eating, they were accessible and they were good anglers. And man, what was it? Was it how many bags? 20, 20, yeah, the top 20 teams had 30, I think. And then uh, the next 21st, it was like, yeah, 29 something. So I could have been, I think it was Scott Martin, but I know he was like 21st or 22nd. So he just missed that. Uh, but like I said, the top 20 for sure had 30 pounds or more. So that's, if I'm thinking right, that's 10 guys caught 600 pounds of bass. Am I thinking right? 20. Oh no, I'm sorry. 40, 20. 40 guys. Yes. 20 boats, two guys, 40 yeah. men and or women. 40 anglers in eight hours caught 600 bass, 600, over 600 pounds of bass. And what is it? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're one of those top 20 teams and you catch what you, I mean, I, I don't know what practice, if those guys practice and what they thought they were going to catch. And then you catch 30 some odd pounds and you're still like, I got, no, I mean, Scott Martin's <laughs> riding and pushing 30 with his daughter or Roland's with his granddaughter or whatever. I couldn't imagine yeah. riding in with a, a, a youth. And being like, look, kiddo, we got close to 30. We did some damage, yeah. right? I mean, you'd have to think that, I would think. Yeah. And then to come in and say, well, sorry, kiddo, we were part of a record-breaking tournament, and we're <laughs> on page two. <laughs> I promise you that didn't happen very often, and the kid's thinking, no. wow, we got beat, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and the reality of it is is you had a, a magical day on the water. Yeah. Just everybody else had more magic. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and it's just surprising. It just surprised me because I, I don't know how long like, if it was a you know if, if it's a spawn bite, pre-spawn bite. I mean, a post-spawn bite type of a deal. You know, if, if it really drags out that far, if it's a spawn bite in Florida, but being that it's early May, I figured that you know the weights. You wouldn't think that you know 
that many teams would get 30 plus pounds, you know, but yeah, for 20 plus teams, uh, 20 teams to have that type of weight, it's just, you know, mind boggling. So yeah. my folks are becoming snowbirds and they go to Okeechobee and they go during the winter. Sure. And they, and they come back usually either the end of February or the end of March. And lately I've had several conversations with people from the area. One of them being our AC insider, Vance McCullough. Vance lives down in Florida. Sure. And, and he and I were having a conversation not that long ago. And we were talking about how many of the snowbirds leave too early. Okay. And, and Vance was talking to me about the size of some of the bags that come in in, in late April, May, that kind of thing. Now he was talking okay. more, he was talking more about the St. John's. So sure. I, I assumed it was, you know, a, a riverine St. John's thing, something to do with the springs that roll through there or whatever, but yeah, maybe it's just a Florida thing. Maybe we all think it could be when it starts warming up, it's time to head North and uh, those that live there know better. Right. Yeah. But Okeechobee is <laughs> what, like a good couple hours. It's almost like on opposite ends of the state compared to where the St. John's is. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, for the, yeah, that Southern, cause I want to say it's almost not on the Southern tip, but it's pretty close to that Southern tip. And yeah, you're downstate for sure. Yeah. And, and for it to still be producing that much at this time of year, uh, I don't know how the weather conditions were that day too, but yeah, this is just like I said, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they were perfect that day, David, regardless of what, <laughs> regardless of what, the obviously it, it wasn't a cold front. <laughs> no. no, it was not a cold front. <laughs> Well, uh, we got a tournament coming up this weekend, and I, I can assure you I will be marked safe from being injured by a 30-pound sack of fish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, the, well, maybe your 30 pounds won't consist of what will be will be a bigger creel, you know, take more fish to get that 30 pounds versus what five. It'll probably uh, be the top three teams combined will have 30 pounds, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> Uh, speaking of upcoming tournaments, I was going to go over a few of the events we got on the, on the calendar on the English Channel website here. First one up is the Alabama Bass Trail North Division. Those anglers will be fishing Pickwick. The Anglers Quest Houston team uh, division will be fishing on Lake Houston. The ABA D92 Ohio North of uh, anglers will be out on Mosquito Lake. The Bass no, sorry, the best bass mother load division. You guys are fishing Don Pedro. And then the last one up is starting this Thursday. The Bassmaster Elite Series will be out on Lay Lake. So uh, I believe the same thing. So Thursday through Sunday. And I believe if you've got FS1, you'll be able to watch those guys fish on Saturday and Sunday on FS1. So, so yeah, looking forward to some, again, some, uh, stuff watching at least watching t uh, fishing on tv here mm -hmm. um and then just a few news and notes nothing too major but just a few things that uh that might be interesting to some of our listeners is uh first one up i've got is phoenix boats they expanded their partnership with major league fishing so that makes them the exclusive boat sponsor for mlf5 so that means continued sponsorship of the BFLs and the all-american and and also makes them the presenting sponsor for the toyota series Bass announces the 12 new high school All-American anglers, and I'll kind of go over the list there here. Uh, first one I've got is Tristan Graham of Alabama, Evan Newell of Florida, Peyton Dunn of Georgia, Hutton Prechovich from Illinois, Bracey Alt from Indiana, Jace White of Louisiana, Nicholas Delaporta from New Jersey, BJ Collins of North Carolina, Caleb Butts from South Carolina, 
Northern South Carolina angler Luke McGuffin, Easton Drennan from Tennessee, and the last one here is Jacob Longlois of Texas. Congratulations to those high school anglers. I'm pretty sure that that is a pretty nice feather in the cap, especially if they're trying to make that uh, push into college and possibly at some point, maybe even professional level fishing. So congratulations to them. And then the last thing I've got up is Dakota Lithium signs on as a sponsor for the Bassmaster Rookie of the Year uh, Award. So besides the title of the year, I don't know if they had a prize in the past, but it looks like uh, maybe the sponsorship also will add is what is contributing to this. But the winner will also be taking home a $10,000 prize. So I know that the Rookie of the Year race is pretty close at the moment. I forgot. I checked it up the other day, but I believe... I think it's Brian Smith is leading it, but he's got like a one or two point gap over second place. So, mm-hmm. but they're only about halfway through the year. So there's still a lot of fishing to go to see who's going to take it there. So, Hey, I got a newsworthy thing I want to throw in yeah. there, David. Yeah. And go while, we, while we've got our audience's attention and stuff, I want to encourage everybody to go and check out what we're doing over on the TikTok. I've got, uh, <laughs> David, when I came on board, I asked you about TikTok. You're like, dude, I don't even log in. And I understand all that. But what I have slowly become to find out is, is that, you know, there's a lot of fun fishing stuff over there. Oh, there is. Yep. And I got to give a shout out to, to our guy, JDJ Outdoors, uh, Jeffrey Johnson. He is a new AC insider I brought on board to help me with all things TikTok and Instagram related. And I got to give him a shout out, bud, because he had his first video over on TikTok it was not at 2 million before I came on the air, but I think it'll be at 2 million by tomorrow. Okay. And uh, that is a hummingbird. That is actually a Minn Kota commercial that we had some fun with. And, you know, we're, we're partnered with hummingbird Minn Kota and we're using our TikTok to do some fun and crazy stuff over there with some of our partners, some of its uh, old commercials. We've got some old interviews. We've got current stuff. I mean, it's just a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went from, you know, a few hundred folks cared what we were doing over there to uh, this morning when I checked, we got 6,000 people following us and liking okay. what we're doing. So I want to encourage everybody to check out Angler's channel, TikTok and Insta. Um, we really want to get those Insta numbers up. So if you're on Insta and you like bass fishing, come over there and give us a follow. Uh, a lot of what we're doing on TikTok, we move over to Insta on the Reels. And, uh, you know, people that have been following us for a while probably see a little different flavor in what we're doing. But at the end of the day, it's about eyeballs for us. It's about eyeballs mm-hmm. for our brand and eyeballs for our partners. And we are absolutely getting that done. So tip of the hat to JDJ. And uh, for our listeners, come check us out and help us all with this project. All right. With that, um, I guess one thing, since, since we were talking about spinner baits and all that stuff, I guess I'll end this show with this question to you, Danny, because you got a tournament coming up too. Uh, so fishing's on your mind, but what are some things that you got tied on this time of year of where you're fishing at? You know what, dude, for me, it's, it's always a stupid dude for, okay. for obvious reasons, but, um, from cold weather up through the spawn, I mean, the tube and I, we just, we've got a relationship and I can catch them on that thing. Lots of places, lots of ways. Um, and if I'm throwing, you know, as far as a search bait, I am a huge fan of a strike King 1.5. Most of what I do, I do shallow. So when I go out, if I've got five rods, I've got a stupid tube, a popping frog. Uh, I had been throwing a jackhammer a lot. I got some new tungsten slobber knockers and I'm a big fan of that. So I'm searching with some kind of vibrating jig. 
-hmm. and becoming more partial than I expected to the tungsten slobber knocker. Uh, The extra weight, you know, I mentioned to you, we're fishing down in Kentucky on a reservoir, not a river, so it's not a shallow. And this new tungsten slobber knocker with that tungsten, it's got a compact head. So when you look at it in your hand, you look at the profile and all that, it feels like a three eighths bait, mm-hmm. but it's a half ounce. Yeah. And, I, and I found down on rough this past weekend that I could fish it more effectively. I could fish it where I wanted in the water column at a speed that I wanted to fish. And my three eighths jackhammers weren't doing that. And I did not tie on a half ounce jackhammer because I was thrilled with what I was seeing on the slobber knocker. Okay. So it'll be tied on for game day. And I, you know, I rag on the spinnerbait stuff a lot around me, but on a rainy day, I will have a black spinnerbait tied on. It's just the okay. thing for me. Okay. So those would be, that'd be the bulk of what I have tied on. And then I'll have some kind of little grub on a jig head because I'm messing with forward facing sonar. And occasionally I'll <laughs> see something that I want to throw at. Sure. Well, I know for me, it says I'll, I'll chime in with what I have. I don't throw anything too significant, but yeah, definitely for me this time of year, uh, grass, you know, a lot of stuff I'm fishing is grass related. So I'll definitely have a bladed jig of some sort. So normally for me, it's a toss up between a jackhammer or a thunder cricket, not just because Strike King's one of our partners, but um, those are those are either one for me that I'm going with. Uh, definitely uh, there's a different, a more subtler feel with the with the thunder cricket so that's mm-hmm. what uh that's one thing that i uh but I've, I've had success with both of those so definitely one of those uh two will be tied on and then uh for sure a a jig so I, i'm you know whether it's a for me i try to go with the structure the striking structure jig or something if i, if I go something else I, I one of my other favorite ones to go to is a missile what mini flip the, jig mini flip jig so, yep that's a good yeah. one man I, <laughs> so, I know that one and and you know john makes great baits that mini flip jig's a great bait too yep uh that cover jig the the strike king i think it's a hack attack cover jig you yep, mentioned yep. that's a, that's a good one i like that head shape it does great around wood and grass uh, it's got a good hook on it so yeah i don't do a jig much and i think it's just because of for me a jig and you know, our diehard jig fishermen will say I'm stupid because they'll say there's no way a jig and a tuber interchangeable. But um, I would argue that whichever one you are comfortable with when you're making the presentations and doing the thing, if you feel like you're doing it right, you'll you'll get bites that people, you know, if, if I put my stuff in a jig guy's hand, he would think it was stupid and he wouldn't get any bites. <laughs> and he could go down a stretch of bank that I just caught him on and vice versa. If he could put his jig in my hand and I could follow him down a proven jig stretch and I wouldn't catch anything right yeah. but the end, at the end of the day we all kind of figure out what our forte is so for me it's soft plastics I, I love the thunk of a bite well, sure yeah I, I, again since you're talking about soft plastics the only thing the only thing I have tied on for soft plastics especially when I'm fishing grass is uh uh, I'm a big creature bait guy, and again, not because they're a partner of ours, but uh, I've had people, uh, people that know me know that I'm a big JDM guy. But uh, mm-hmm. one, one thing that I have had a lot of success, and people have seen me catch them in the boat that I fish with, is uh, a structure bug. So I've got one of those tied on all the time too. And again, uh, depending on the, on the on the grass and what I'm seeing, and it's not just because it's right right now they should, uh, especially with the 
heat that we're probably good the, the warmer weather we're getting uh there should be a really strong push for the bids uh the fish going on beds but i don't really care about that really and uh sometimes because you know again with the way we fish grass you're probably fishing pockets that you don't get to see what the fish is at anyways but i definitely have a lot of success with that structure bug and the regular four inch size too so but yep. yeah. if you're ever looking for something smaller on the strike king offering that new scound bug mm-hmm. I, yeah i saw I that yep got some of those i was surprised that's a finesse little bait Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm seeing guys are using it for trailers on fender crickets and things like that. And uh, I've been throwing one around up here on the creeks, a little bit Texas rigged, and I really like it. it yeah, it's small. Um, and when I'm not doing a cylindrical tube shaped thing, I like a little crawl bait, and that's a good little crawl bait. I like. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely need to get me a, some of some of those. I mean, those are something that's I think came out last year at ICAST. Mm-hmm. So definitely get me, me uh, my hands on a set of those too. So, but all right, well, with that, it's time for me and Danny to uh, wrap this one up and head into weigh in. Uh, I just want to thank all our listeners for your support. Thank you to our sponsors and partners to help make this show happen. Happy Mother's Day to all of the special ladies out there that allow us to go fishing. Mm. And with that, we'll catch you all on our next show. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trickstep. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.